Hello, I'm glad you joined us online right now, whatever time of day it is. Today, we're beginning a series of messages called The Church Moves Forward. Christianity is still growing rapidly 2,000 years after Jesus died and rose from the dead. Christianity is an unstoppable movement. Christianity and religion, though, have had a bad reputation among some people in the world. Here's a scathing statement from an article about how religion is destroying humanity. It's time to let go and rise above the outdated and cruel exploits of our past that we have inherited from our ancestors. We have grown. It's time that our world's religions face the tragic horrors of their past and make an honest progression toward love and kindness for all of humanity. I would say that Christianity and Christians are the basis of love for all humanity and kindness. That's not what Christians have done. They have not destroyed humanity. Jesus pours out his love to believers, which is then channeled to those around them. Christians have consistently shown compassion in the midst of tragedies. Christians in the first century were known to adopt and care for children who were abandoned for deformities or because they were girls. The practice continued in the Middle Ages. In the Middle Ages, they continued to adopt and care for babies that were abandoned. During the Antonine Plague of the second century, Christians cared for the sick at significant risk and cost to themselves. Christianity has been handling pandemics for 2,000 years. Their love showed how plagues were not the work of an angry and capricious deity, but the product of a broken creation in revolt against a loving God. God mobilizes his people to show compassion. Martin Luther, during the bubonic plague, made this statement. Luther said he would do everything possible to avoid contamination from the plague. He would fumigate, which would help purify the air. He said he would avoid places and persons where he wasn't needed to avoid contamination. But he said emphatically, if my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person. I shall go freely as stated above. See, this is God-fearing faith because it is neither brash or foolhardy and does not tempt God. The church moved forward because of the compassion they showed to all the people around him. How how did the church move forward from 
uh, a small, frightened, fragmented group to an expanding and courageous worldwide movement. Compassion is one of the reasons. The movement started by Jesus Christ continues to move forward today. How, how do you create a movement? Those early Christians didn't have vehicles. This is a pretty cool car. They also didn't have cell phones, tablets, or computers. They didn't have social media. Churches use it today to spread the word about events and message series and other things that they're doing. We don't have television or movies to help spread the word about Jesus. I, I, I love the chosen. I think Jesus is portrayed the way I think he would have been. He's, he's winsome. He's funny. And he's compassionate. In those days, the days that the movement, the Christian movement started, News traveled by word of mouth, proclamations, messengers, mainly messages passed from life to life. How did they do it? Conviction and commitment. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says, For the love of Christ controls us because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The first Christians were convinced that what Jesus did meant that they should die to themselves and live for Jesus Christ. That's why they did this. They 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 lived for him because they were convinced that he died and raised from the dead. This explains why Christians love so deeply through the centuries. They live for Jesus, the ultimate example of love. They abandoned themselves for others because they were convinced of the resurrection. So we're going to look at the book of Acts, the fifth book of of the New Testament. Acts is a history book. Now, if you wanted to understand U.S. history, you'd need to walk through different eras like exploration, colonization, and settlement, uh, revolution, establishment of a new nation, uh, expansion, the movement west, civil war, development of industries, and on and on. Acts is also a history book. It, it has this kind of feel, the expansion of the Christian movement, and it follows uh, a section in the Bible known as the Gospels, which are the biographies of Jesus. One of those uh, biographies was written by a man named Luke. He wrote the Gospel of Luke. 
which shares about the life of Jesus in chronological order. Luke was also the author of Acts. The history of Acts is the history of the followers of Christ in the first century after Jesus ascended into heaven. We will focus on one key verse, verse 8. But I want to give you the context for that verse. Uh, so I'll read Acts 1, 1 through 9. I, I want to show you what Jesus did, what he told them after he rose from the dead. He wasn't mostly dead, like it says in, in Princess Bride. He was, he wasn't resuscitated after a few minutes of being flatlined. He was dead. He was declared dead on the cross after six hours of suffering and pain and anguish. And, and, and that was all involved in the crucifixion. The Romans were experts at execution. And once he was declared dead, he was buried in a tomb, which was sealed and guarded. But three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and showed himself to his followers alive over a period of 40 days. And they were convinced, so much so that they'd commit their lives and stake their lives on proclaiming Jesus' message at great risk risk to themselves. In this series, we're going to focus on their story, the story of the first Christians. First of all, the church keeps moving forward. Acts 1, 1 through 2. Here's what God inspired Luke to write in the whole book of Acts. In my former book, referring to the Gospel of Luke, Theophilus Luke was writing to a friend who was a governor. I, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So he's saying, in my first book, my biography of Jesus, it covered all of Jesus' life, his birth, Childhood, ministry, death, burial, resurrection. And his book ends with, his biography ends with the ascension when Jesus was taken up into heaven. Then in verse 3, he backs up before the ascension, but after the resurrection. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On many occasions, Jesus appeared to his disciples who became the apostles. He appeared alive. It was amazing, I'm sure. This was proof the proof that they would stake their lives on. Jesus, 
God in the flesh had conquered the grave. He had the power over life and death so they could trust him with everything in this life and on into the next life. Verse 4 continues. On one occasion, after the resurrection, but before the ascension, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. I'm, I'm sure they wanted to leave Jerusalem. They wanted to go back home. This is, Jerusalem is where Jesus was crucified and, and I think they wanted to get out of town as soon as possible. He said, don't leave, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, referring to John the Baptist, he paved a way for Jesus' ministry by preaching repentance and confessions of sin. He baptized with water. John the Baptist baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they had a question on their minds. I would have the same question. Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel right now? They had been on a roller coaster ride. They saw Jesus rise to frame, perform Amazing, mind-boggling miracles. But then, at the height of all, he was arrested, unjustly accused, beaten, convicted, crucified, buried. And then he rose from the dead. So they're thinking, Jesus right now is going to establish his earthly kingdom. He's going to kick out the Romans overthrow the government, and maybe that's why he wants us to stay here, they thought. So we can all have front row seats to Jesus' next move. And then he said, it is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. Jesus burst their bubble. God is in control of the timing. They thought it would be immediately. And God is not revealing the exact details to the disciples. We're always struggling with God's role versus our, our role. At least I am. Like now in the future, we seem to always wish we could get a sneak preview of the future. Christ will return someday. It could be any day. And we're to live with that expectation that he's coming back. It, this is more than 2,000 years after Jesus lived. And... They, they expected, the, the disciples expected the kingdom to be restored right then, immediately. We got the first coming so wrong. Uh, and his disciples, 
thought that he was going to overthrow the government. He's coming back. We know that for sure. And we should look forward to it and be prepared. And we're told to stand ready. I I don't know about you, but I don't want to be distracted just off doing my own thing at the return of Christ. We're told to focus on being faithful in the here and now. But Jesus says, as far as the time and date, sorry, it's not for you to know. So he says, that's God's role. Do you, do you want to know your role? This leads to verse 8, which is the focus of this message. Acts 1, 8, and 9. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. That's the ascension. Ascent means to rise. Uh, and so Luke records, again, he recorded it at the end of his gospel. He records that he was lifted up right before their eyes. Now, the entire book of Acts has 28 chapters. It's full of action, growth, commitment, struggle, expansion, and movement. The church keeps moving forward in spite of many obstacles. And even the structure of of the book is found in this one verse, Acts 1-8. Chapters 1 through 7 show the church, the Christian church, getting established in Jerusalem. Acts uh, chapters 8 through 12 show the Christian church being enlarged to Judea and Samaria, the region they were in, and the region just to the north. Act, uh, chapters 13 through 28 show the Christian church expanding toward the ends of the earth. There is a ripple effect. When Jesus pours his spirit on the world, on on believers, Christians, Christ followers, there is a ripple effect. They share the message. They're witnesses of all that he has done and We'll, we'll see how the message began reverberating throughout this region, pushing further and further out, changing lives, transforming regions as these witness they took their role seriously. The church that Jesus launched through those disciples is still on the move. Christianity is still spreading rapidly many years, 2,000 years after it began. Since Jesus was crucified, it has, Christianity has continued to grow. The Jewish leaders and the Roman authorities thought the movement 
was over when he was crucified. Uh, but since Jesus was crucified, it's continued to grow. It has expanded to North America. It spread to Africa, South America, and Asia. And it is still growing today. Christianity is the largest religion in the world today. We, we've received it from, we've received our faith from faithful people who went before us and shared the news, the good news of the gospel with us. We, who, will we take it forward from here? Jesus said these words to them, and these are still our marching orders. Will you be my witnesses? Let's take a few minutes to break down uh, the verse 8. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Supernatural power is given to all believers. It it energizes and fuels our ability to carry out our role as witnesses. You and I and those disciples have power inside of us. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Um, we, we have the power to generate change, save lives, convict people. Well, the Holy Spirit convicts people of their sin. To, to, he, the Holy Spirit gives us even the right words to say, but God sends His Spirit to the church to empower you, all of us, for this task. What task? You will be my witnesses. Witnesses don't write the story. A witness sees an event and reports on what happened. In our case, we report on the resurrection and the love that Jesus has poured into our own hearts. What event? The resurrection. Everything in the Christian faith hinges on the resurrection. Without it, our faith is useless and our faith would be a waste of time. We, sh we should stop going to church on Sundays and living for Jesus if the, Christ, uh, if the resurrection didn't happen. But it did. These disciples were convinced. They were eyewitnesses to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They would give their lives commit their future to witness to others about Jesus Christ. Most of them shared this until their death, and they most of them died as martyrs, but all of them suffered. Many would say that the disciples' death by martyrdom is maybe the most compelling evidence that the resurrection did occur. Because they died. They were willing to die for their faith in 
in Jesus Christ. They were convinced and then looked at the scope of this movement in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The message of the Christian movement is that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead, and it will have an impact on wherever it is shared. This is the ripple effect. And it's still true today. We may live here and have a primary focus here, right in this city or the city you live in, but it can't just stay here. It's going to impact this whole region, and it's going to impact all nations. Even in 2023, this is still occurring. In fact, most of you here, someone shared the faith with you. I, I would say all of you. You heard it somehow. You heard the gospel somehow. And they were witnesses to you of the resurrection. The unstoppable movement of Christianity is still moving forward today. The top five countries where Christianity is growing are Nigeria, China, the Philippines, India, and Brazil. As a church, it's been our city, uh, our, our mission to share the gospel in this city, region, and then working outward. These last years seem so strange, and it's taken many off track, confused, annoyed, frustrated. It can feel like everywhere we turn, it's like you see this sign. Don't go here. You can't go there. The church is continuing to grow in these last few years, even in spite of these last few years, and it is thriving. Our invitation to you is to move forward with us. We would love for you to engage with us. I have some next steps for you to take to apply this message. I have some suggestions. Read Acts chapter 1 and let God speak to you through it. Commit to being a witness for Christ this week and always, and you will make a difference in their lives. And the third step is come back for the rest of this series. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for your kindness to us. You give us power, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the power that you pour into our lives to, to witness, to share your love, and all kinds of things, to do right. And I thank you so much for that power that you give us. It's resurrection power. And I pray, Lord God, that you would help us uh, to 
to have the power to take these next steps, the steps that you have laid on our heart to take. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.